Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, you'll hear from Ebony Williams. She is an SLP who's only been in private practice for a few months, but has gone from a caseload of zero to 24 clients using an amazing strategy to get new clients from free screenings. Listen to this episode and be amazed and then implement it and use it to grow your private practice. Stay tuned. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yeah, so my name is Ebony Williams, and I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm not from Fayetteville. It's not like my place I always wanted to be, but I love it here. And the name of my practice is called Affinity Therapy Services. Awesome. Well, it is so nice to meet you, and I'm very excited to hear about your whole journey. But before we get into like what you're up to today, can you tell me and tell the listeners what were your early days uh, as an SLP in your early career like? Yeah, so I went to school in South Carolina at South Carolina State University, and that's where I got my undergrad. And my major was speech pathology and audiology. So after that, I went to Towson University in Towson, Maryland, which is where I'm from. I'm actually from Maryland. And there I started working for urban school settings. And then I went into more rural school settings. And then I went into skilled nursing. I've had experience probably from literally birth to however, the oldest one in their 100s. I really had most of my experience was with pediatrics. And I worked in every setting from severe to profound, all the way to Head Start to little teeny babies. It was just a whole, I kind of jumped in wherever I could find a spot for myself. Just because I was so curious, I wanted to know, like, how do you work with a, a baby with feeding? 
or how do you work with a kid with severe, you know, autism, for example, how do you do that? So I kind of sought out mentors and went every which way I possibly could. I never really stuck to any one thing because it was just so wide open. So my experience goes from little kids all the way to super adults is what I call them. <laughs> I, I love that, right? I love people who really like seen it all and done it all, right? The, and people who yeah. define themselves as curious, right? I'm also mm-hmm. curious. I love to meet other curious people. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm curious, when did you, in, in all of that experience and in all of those different settings and, you know, ability levels and everything else, did you start kind of maybe thinking about private practice? Well, to be totally honest, I didn't ever really consider it until probably more recently. Quick backstory. I was diagnosed as having lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. At the same time, my mother was ill and she was on hospice. At the same time, I had just got married and had, you know, one child and it was just a lot at the same time. And I found that my employers weren't very friendly towards my need of time for myself, my family, and even my growing curiosity in the field, the patience for that wasn't really there. So what I ended up doing was really, that's kind of why I jumped around to, from setting to setting. <laughs> so I didn't really think about private practice until I married an entrepreneur. I moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and my husband went into working for himself. And he was like, you know, you really are leaving a lot of money on the table and you're kind of letting people tell you how you should be treating your patients when really you're the professional. You should be the one deciding how you should treat your patients, how many minutes they deserve based on their level of impairment. It's you who decides that. Why are you still stuck in a box and not allowing yourself out of it when there's a top on the box? Just move the top and and go. And so he encouraged me to do that. It wasn't really myself. But aside from that, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. My father was military. My mother was a teacher and a guidance counselor. And my family just pushed academic success, academic achievement, world travel, period. That was it. Work for someone else and do that until you retire. That wasn't good enough for me anymore. You know, I had so much going on. And in my past, I was a little burned out by the demands of other people and the demands of my employers that I just decided, you know, along with my husband, that I was afraid. And my motto for my family, surprisingly, was do it afraid. If you're going to do it, just do it. Do it afraid. And so I did. And so I ended up in private practice without a plan. (laughs) Well, a little bit of a plan, but not much of one. And I just kind of did it as I went along. And that's kind of my story. It's a, a long one, but hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> well, so so maybe you did it afraid, but it also sounds like you did it with, with support, right? Mm-hmm. And with quite a bit of experience in terms of clinical experience working with, with different kinds of people that you knew you had the clinical skills to be able to do it. And, you know, the business skills you can learn, right? That's one of the big things that I'm, I'm trying to convey to people is that, you know, once you have the clinical skills, which people get in graduate school and in their careers, it's the filling in the gap of those business skills. that's kind of like the bridge between being able to actually do private practice and having that support mm-hmm. 
of either, you know, a spouse or family members or whoever is really, really important. So what did those early days look like when, and I liked that advice that he said about moving the top of the box. I really liked that. That was great. And the other thing about that is, which was really interesting, I found myself that once this idea came to me, once it was really given to me, and then it started solidifying to like the universe is like pushing me in that direction. It became to the point to where I was annoyed with every little thing on my job. I had gotten, was watching a TV show and I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was called like Billionaire. I don't know, but it was like this guy, he was a billionaire and he had to like build a business in 90 days. And one of his pieces of advice was that you just go for it and then you figure it out along the way. And so when you add all of these pieces into the soup pot, it just made sense to me. It was like, I had all the encouragement I needed and something so small like that was really the catalyst to like, okay, well, he did it. He built a million dollar business in 90 days. Like all, he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know anybody. He just did it. I don't see why I couldn't do that too. So I did. I love it. Not billion dollar yet though. But yeah. Well, close. yeah. But I like how you said <laughs> yet, right? That's a good growth mindset kind of thing. So did you like shift into private practice slowly? Did you, did you really just dive right in? Like, how did you get started um, with your first private clients? So. I started applying for insurance first as like to be able to accept insurance. And I ran into roadblocks because I didn't know what I was doing. So I applied for insurance and then they kicked it back saying to me, well, where's your LLC? I was like, oh, I guess I do have to do that. I guess I probably should have listened to my husband when he told me to do that. And I was like, no, I could do it myself. So (laughs) I went ahead and did all of the things the right way and then reapplied for insurance. That took about 30 days. Within that 30 days, I was slowly discharging clients from my job at the time. I was slowly discharging clients and putting myself in a position where I had no choice but to sink or swim. Because at that point now, my paycheck is going dwindling down. I'm like, okay, so you got to still eat. (laughs) Now you got to really put, you have no choice. You have to push it into gear. I guess a time frame would probably be 60 days maybe from the onset of the idea to actual first client. And so with my first client, what I did was now one thing I've been really good at that I've learned is that I'm really good at coming up with unique ideas, somewhat crazy ideas. But how I received my first client was I took my daughter to daycare and I was talking to the director and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if you're going to get paid next week because I just, I'm about to quit my job. And I was like saying it jokingly. And she was like, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a speech pathologist. She's like, oh, well, we just lost hours that covers our center here. Do you want to, you know, take a stab at it? So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do screenings. Um, I'll give, I'll make up a form. I mean, mind you, this is me moving 10 minutes. (laughs) I had to go home and like create a form really fast gave her a stack of them and told her to give it out to the entire center. How we were able to put a spin on it was kids sometimes fall through the cracks. We're not in the beginning of the year anymore. You know, we lost a therapist, but even if we, even if we hadn't, we need to check and make sure all of your children in your classrooms are where they need to be. So we have someone who's professional coming in 
and she's going to offer free screenings for every child in the center. It's 150 children at that center. And I got back 60 forms from that. And from there, my first client wasn't really my first client because I had 11 clients my first week (laughs) just from doing that. That's fantastic. I mean, it just sounds like all of the stars were aligning like right Mm -hmm. and left, right? Like the whole, you know, one door closes, another opens kind of thing, right? So how that was really smart of you to, to figure out, I mean, I know that it just kind of happened, but like to end mass figured out how to not just get one client, but get a bunch of clients. And like, you didn't know how many it was going to yield from the 60, right? But 11 Mm -hmm. is a fantastic start. Yeah. And it's actually, and what I've done is um, I actually have two and a half centers now, but I'll, we'll get into that later. But with the first one, I made myself available to all of the teachers as like the professional in the building. I was available to ask questions to, if you wanted me to help you with your lesson plan, I can, I can come in and give you a break by reading a story and even something that small I was able to sit in the classroom and say, well, that kid's not attending, you know, or when they're answering questions, did you, did you catch that this, you know, child, he didn't quite answer questions the way that we were hoping for him to, how about you give the mom a form and we'll talk privately off outside of here for that. And so that first 11 was really great, but then it started growing. (laughs) <laughs> because they were referring more and more kids. And then as new kids came in, they made my form as a part of their admissions packet. And so now every child that comes in gets a screening if their parents are willing to. And so I have that one center, but I also have another one where I just wash, rinse, and repeat and went into the center and said, hey, I'm available. You know, kids may be falling through the cracks. Do you want me to take a look? I could do it for free. I also offer professional development. I will do 30 minutes with your teachers for free. I did. And I received another like 15 kids off of that one that I'm now working with. So I realized that when you're chasing the art of private practice, a lot of it is really thinking outside of the box and sacrificing some of yourself. I see a lot of people ask questions. Should I charge for screenings? To me, no. And the reason why is because once you gain the trust of one or two people, it begins to, the ball is rolling and you can't stop it. So that's my personal advice. I wouldn't, and I don't for that reason. In in that way, you're leading with education too, right? You're leading with education and, you know, we know whether it's the teachers, the families, the director, you know, the classroom teachers, the aides, I don't know, whoever's there. And then that that's building also word of mouth and goodwill. And they know that you're an established professional in the building. And so when everyone has a question, you become the go-to resource. And I would imagine that even maybe families who like don't go to that school, if, if, you know, if parents talk and parents have other friends, right. Then people say that they're worried about their kid, like at a, I don't know, a family gathering or a picnic or something then they're going to give you, you know, your information to them too. Yeah. And they do. I have a few private pay children from that and I have gotten, and honestly, I haven't really done any marketing yet. This is all for me just walking in with a packet, offering myself. And I also told them 
and this was another little trick that I found out that actually worked really well, is that they can use me for their marketing. So what they do is they say they have a therapist on site and they're not lying because I'm literally there pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, they have someone that they can call on and refer to and things like that. And I get new information packets every, every day from just that, just from doing that. Well, and then you've made it a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So you have yeah. two, two centers that you've kind of done this, the same thing where you started with free screenings and now you're treating some of the kids. Do you, you, and you see the kids on site at the center. Yeah. So the model that I decided to use is working at the daycare center. And the reason why is because in the past, as I mentioned, I have a lot of experience in so many different things. I didn't want to drive from place to place, house to house. I realized that although we are in a compassionate field, we are in the field to also make an income. And the whole purpose of private practice is to make a good income (laughs) as well as freedom. So for me, driving from house to house across town just financially wasn't feasible for me. Whereas if I'm at the daycare center, I pretty much can do what I need to do when I need to do it. And they're all in one place. So I don't have that, you know, 30 minute lag time of driving from place to place or ringing the bell and no one answers. I didn't want that. So I chose this model for that reason. It's kind of like working in a school, but not really. And then I felt like it really helped a lot of the parents who are looking for the convenience of not having to you know, come to an office or me come to their house and they have to clean up really quick because company's coming. I realized that the convenience factor is the one thing that one makes them stay at the daycare center, which is also a win for the center, but also stay with me because I offer them the convenience that they weren't able to find elsewhere. I see enormous benefit with this model. And Mm -hmm. so are you, are you full now? As of today, so I've only been in business since December 3rd, and I don't know what day we're at. We're on today. I know. Time's going by. We're we're in like the beginning of March. (laughs) Okay. So in a few months, I have gone up. I have 25 clients now. I would say that's pretty full. (laughs) I'd say that's pretty full. Yeah, I'm still getting more referrals, you know, every day. I haven't done any marketing to any of the doctors or other places that I had ideas for going because I just can't handle it just yet. So I would say that I'm full. Yeah, it sounds like it. And then and then you can decide what to do from there, right? Either you you stay full, you stay at a comfortable level, or you think about hiring some independent contractors, or you just, you know, keep on doing what what works for you, right? That's another reason to be in private practice is to be able to make those decisions. You made the decision that you didn't want to drive all over town, which I think is a, is a great decision, right? And so now you can decide really what do you do next? And it could mean that you just stay, stay like this for a while, right? You've only been in business for a couple of months. So you may just want to, you know, stay comfortable and um and do this you know until you're ready to to make a change yeah it's a it's a lot to think about and it's a lot to consider because i'm still new and that fear factor does kind of play in on on occasion where i'm like okay if i if i take more then what you know but 
my family and my husband do it afraid. So I'm getting ready to ramp up step two, which is going to be going ahead and doing some of that marketing, but not necessarily in a traditional way. I'm going to go to other daycare centers and market and place my independent contractors there around town. Fayetteville, although it's not like a place that's big on the map, it can easily take you 30 minutes to get from one side of town to the other. So in between, there's a lot of daycare centers. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure if I'm full off of two, I could probably get another two and put someone there as well. So I am interested in growing and I'm afraid to grow, but I'm interested in growing (laughs) because I have to. And really, I will have no other choice because the one thing with private practice and the demand for therapists is that it's going to grow whether you want it to or not. You either decide to grow with it or you just put a pause and say, I'm not accepting any clients right now. I can't do that. My heart doesn't let me. So I'm going to grow with the practice. Yeah. Isn't that a funny thing that like most people want to get to the level where they have a wait list? But then if they have a wait list, they feel very uncomfortable about that because they know that those are people going without services, right? Yeah, that's true. But I do want to give, I always see this in the group. A lot of people do feel uncomfortable having wait lists, but I do want to give another perspective to that, if that's okay. Oh, of course. The one, thank you. The one benefit of having a wait list is that it does make you appear desirable. And the more desirable you appear, the less likely you will have people wanting to cancel no shows. You know, they'll feel very honored to finally have gotten into this place that is so hard to get into. If you market yourself as the Harvard of speech therapy, as opposed to the elementary school of speech therapy, you're going to have a higher quality clientele because they're excited that they had to wait and now their name has been called. So I wouldn't be afraid to have waiting lists. I would not want like a five year long waiting list. (laughs) But you know, if you have a few months, that's, that's actually not a bad thing to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. It's all about perception too, right? But I, I think that you're absolutely right that if you have filled your schedule with two daycares, you can very easily get independent contractors into other sites. And those people also might be like not wanting to travel everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, right? There's a lot of people who didn't grow up with just, you kind of mentioned that earlier, like don't grow up with any kind of entrepreneurial, uh, you know, either parents or whatever. And so there's plenty of people who just want to do independent contracting. Like they just want to go see the kids, leave, and they're very content not to do, like not to be the one running the business. That's true. And I, I'm looking for those people. I love it. What, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that the listeners know about you or your journey or private practice in general? Well, I have a lot of things, but I do want to encourage women, especially African-American or even multicultural women to go for it because diversity in our field is very important. And 
it's lacking, especially in the private practice realm. Every woman, every man out there can do this. Just do it afraid. If you are afraid, that's okay. That's a healthy sign. If you're too confident, you're probably not ready. So continue to go forward, continue to look at things and look completely and totally outside of the box. It is okay to not be completely conventional. Eventually for myself, for example, I do plan on expanding to adults and I'll use the same exact model. I'll go to adult daycare centers. That's what my goal is, but there's also not a lot of people doing that. So it's okay to think outside of the box, continue to push forward, ask a lot of questions. And if you get a no, that's okay. Keep going. No's help you grow. Ooh, I like that. No's help you grow. That's totally Mm -hmm. true. I love how, how you've figured out this system and now you're figuring out how to roll it forward, right? To other populations like working with adults. And I think that's also just says something about your, your own confidence that you have found something that really works for you, right? Might not work for everybody, but it's worked well for you. And when you find things that work, just keep going with them. Yeah. Just if you find there's no need to reinvent the wheel. If the wheel, like you have a, a great group of people who, you know, everybody's professionals or even starting, it's okay to take ideas from them and use them. Of course, you can make some of them your own, but don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. If you've found something that works, go for it. I never fully imagined that I would be specifically in daycare centers. Prior to all of this, I was looking at, I would drive past and I would see like, for rent signs. I'm like, Ooh, I can get that building. And now looking back on it, had I done that, I would have probably failed before I started. I'm at a place now to where I have no overhead at all. The only overhead I have is like my EMR and whatever my house bills are (laughs) and gas just to get from two, one center to the other. And I, I feel like I like not having to fully worry about all of the extra stuff. How can I maximize with the least amount of money and and all of that? I didn't invest a lot. I invested probably 200 bucks in my business and that was it. Everything else was either I borrowed something or I kind of winged it when it came to like the screening protocol I used. You know, it's okay to think outside of the box. Just think outside of the box and you will be successful. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> that's that's basically my advice. Well, and you have, you have been such a wonderful example of someone who did think outside of the box, even if you were scared, right? I love your do it scared motto. And now you have, you know, a plan, the, you know, the universe, like all the stars aligned and whatnot came together. And this plan that you just accidentally happened upon from mentioning, right, that you may not be able to pay for daycare next week or whatever. Like, had that (laughs) not been there that day and you hadn't made that offhanded comment, like, we might not be having this discussion. No, no. And I honestly, I mean, when I said that, I was like really joking with her. But really, the whole purpose was for me to open up the conversation. I can come up with all kinds of ways to just approach people or the other center I have happened just by me driving down the road. And I was like, wow, that's a cool looking sign. Let me just pull in that parking lot. 
and see what the director says to me here. That's all it, re- it literally was. And it turned into a great thing. I did um, a professional development for them. I've done, you know, several handouts. I've worked with the parents there. It's been great. So whatever, whatever the universe taps on your shoulder, just answer it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Well, you have just come onto the scene in not that much time. You've built a wonderful private practice that I can see amazing things for, not only for you, but also for your community and for the kids who are now getting access to therapy services that they might not have had otherwise. And then also for these future independent contractors who are hopefully going to be starting to work with you in the next couple months. Yeah. And there's so much opportunity out there. Like, you know, let's say therapy is not necessarily your thing. I'm going to be launching hopefully this summer like a play group for kids that isn't necessarily geared just towards speech therapy kids. These are kids who are normal developing and kids who maybe don't qualify yet, or maybe they're just right on the cusp. And with that, that's a whole nother area that you can go into, even if it's just a a short period of time, not a lot of work is involved in that basically is what I'm saying. And so there's so many ways of doing this that you don't have to just go into therapy and needing a, you know, a full EMR and getting with insurance. I mean, there's so many options and opportunities that you can pursue. And that's why I said, think outside the box, because there's so many other things that you can do. You don't have to just do what everyone else is doing. Do, do your own thing and make it work for you and it will work. Well, it's certainly working for you. Thank you. So thank you so much for being on, Ebony, and for sharing your amazing strategy for how to turn screenings into really a pretty full-time practice. And also just sharing your your energy and your, your wisdom through this process. Thank you for having me. And if there's anything I can do for anybody, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to reach out and use Jenna's groups. They're really good. And everybody is very helpful. And thank you for putting that together because it's definitely needed. Again, so many ways that you can do this whole (laughs) entrepreneur thing right there. So lots of ways. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And again, Ebony, thank you for being on and sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned. And I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms in your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, 
act and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.